Welcome to League of Lit, where we discuss books, adaptations, and anything else we wish to talk about and tie it to lit, because we can. Oh boy, can we. Oh boy. <laughs> oh girl, I guess, considering what we're talking about today, instead of oh boy. I, I guess. <laughs> That's a little silly, but you know. I mean, if you think about it, with what we're talking about today, oh boy is still It still valid. works. Yes, it still works. It is still valid. Still so. valid. <laughs> But to make sure that we have covered our bases, it is a truth universally acknowledged that we are not a spoiler-free podcast. No, not at all. We love spoilers. I mean, even though today is one of those times where this has been out for centuries, you probably should have read it by now, unless you're in high school and it has not been assigned to you yet. Um, yeah, this is this is a book that you probably should have read at some point in your educational career. I hope. I mean... I only read it in high school because it was one of the options because it was one because I had I had Miss Dryden for mm-hmm. American Lit and she gave us an option for one of these and this was one of the options and it's what I chose. I read it uh, in like middle American school Lit. but that was like a I made the choice to read it. Well and I, I know I would read it before I went to high school but like when it was time to like read it in school because I would say that this is a, a pretty pretty good piece of american literature oh yeah and so and what we're talking about is little women by louisa may alcott yeah yeah it was published september 30th 1868 so it's been it's been out you've had time lot loads none of you were born before 1868 so this is true well unless you're a time traveler i was about to say (laughs) (laughs) let us know but this is set in New England during the time of the Civil War or war between the states, depending on where you grew up and what you were told. It's in Massachusetts in uh, what is inspired by Concord. Yes. Um, it focuses on the March family, specifically the four March sisters in age order, age descending order. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm just confused. Um, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy March. Yes. But technically, the book is kind of told from Joe's perspective. Mm-hmm. Because there is a level of meta to this book in the sense that we find out towards the end that Joe writes a book about growing up with her sisters. And that's essentially what this book is. Yeah, she so it has that like... Book. Exactly. It's it's a meta story, and I think it's a really fun trope just to use in general. Yeah. It's also considered um, semi-autobiographical because Louisa May Alcott used her own life as the inspiration. This covers a like broad portion of the March girls' lives. So when we first meet them, Meg, who's the oldest, is 16. Joe is 15. Beth is 13, and Amy is 12. Babies. But by the end of the book, they are adults. So this covers a very large chunk of time. Yes. But in the grand scheme of things, the book is really not all that long. No, it's like 790 pages. Something like that. Like like the audiobook itself, it takes like five hours to listen to. Yeah. And then another fun fact about this book is that it is on the banned book list, for being a feminist book. How dare they? <laughs> because 
it has that feminist nature of challenging the traditional roles of a woman specifically for that time period because that's not necessarily traditional now but it it's a huge thing for the fact that like joe wants to be a writer she wants to make money off of writing and that's how she wants to support herself and her family yeah where meg is probably the most traditional of the four where it is her dream to be a mom and a wife and a homemaker. Amy also has some big dreams with wanting to be an artist. And then Beth is just, you know, happy to be here. She really is, though. She's like, I am content to just be at home. Yeah, out of the four girls, she is the most content. And then as far as other characters that are important and play a big part, we have Theodore Lawrence or Lori or Teddy if you're Joe. If you're Joe. Because Joe is the only person who is allowed to call him Teddy. And he's the neighbor boy. The neighbor boy. The rich neighbor boy. (laughs) And he lives with his grandfather, Mr. Lawrence, who is apparently friends with... uh, Robert. In all honesty, it's unclear if it's Marmy's father yeah. or if it's Mr. March's father. Who knows? But it's one of the girl's grandfathers that Mr. Lawrence was friends with. So that's somewhat of the connection. Another important character is Marmy, who is the girl's mother, who they call Marmy. Everybody yes. calls her Marmy. And then we have some side characters that they play a part, but they don't really have a whole lot of quote screen time. Yeah. So, but you have John Brooke who is Laurie's tutor and becomes Meg's husband. Oh. And we'll we'll dive into that in a minute. And then you have Hannah who helps around the house is kind of like a nanny/like house housekeeper? Housekeeper, yeah. For the March family as Mr. March is off at war. I guess we could start sort of talking about adaptations and it, that will definitely help us fill the story in. Yep. So in in kind of our little bit of fashion that we've kind of established here, we'll go in order. Um, before we get to what most people claim as like the end all be all adaptation, um, you have three movies that came out before that one so you had one that came out in 1933 one that came out in 1949 and then one that came out in 1978 i know nothing else other than that's when they came out did you know too that there were also two silent films that came out before that no i didn't i didn't i missed that in my research there was one in 1917 and one in 1918 there were both silent film versions of this interesting i'd actually be really interested to see those yeah Where the other three that I've named off so far, I don't know that I have interest in seeing them. So that leads us into the 1994 movie that stars Winona Ryder as Joe, Christian Bale as Laurie, Susan Sarandon as Marmee, Claire Danes as Beth, and Kirsten Dunst as the young version of Amy. Those are like the quote, like big name recognizable actors. Obviously, there are other characters because we've named a bunch of them already. But as far as actors that most people would recognize, that's what we got. Yeah. And it was directed by Jillian Armstrong. So it's really interesting. It seems to be that a lot of these are directed by women. Of course, not necessarily back way before this adaptation. But right. 
it seems to be that women prefer to make this movie, which is good. I mean, I mean, it, it's a it's a very strong book for women and very and very pro female yes. like empowerment, and which is great considering the time period that it's in. It's not something you'd really think about. Yeah. At least as far as like characterizing that time period. With this movie, oh, I rewatched this one because obviously I've seen it when I was a kid. It came out in 1994. I was two when it came out. So I think the last time I saw it was right after seeing the 2019 version. So, <sighs> and what a stark difference. But but both of those movies are true to time period. Yes, no, which they are. Not all of the adaptations we're talking about today are true to time period. So this one is, and a lot of people consider this one to be like the adaptation for the book. People do. It's a weird thing in the book community where they get stuck and attached to one specific adaptation and there can never be another adaptation to ever do the book justice. And I don't understand that. I disagree because like as much as I like the 1994 adaptation, I like the 2019 one better. I think because I I did a comparison and contrast on my blog after the 2019 came out. At the end of it, I could not say, oh, I like this one better than the other. I have things that I like about each one. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm okay with them all coexisting together. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just have less that I like about the 1994 version, mostly as far as some of the casting goes, than I do about the 2019 version. What about the casting bothers you about the the 94? I can't stand Christian Bell as as Laurie. Really? I can't. It doesn't make sense to me. He doesn't strike me as a Laurie. And watching it, I was like, I don't know. It's Batman. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. You're not. He doesn't strike me. There's something about, and like specifically again, <laughs> this is just going to be a compare and contrast of 2019 versus 1994. But it's fine. There's something about Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I can never say his name. Timothy Chalamet that feels more. It's just he's much more naturally Laurie to me than Christian Bale is. Okay. And I don't know like if it's like, that sort of youthful arrogance is not the right word, but it's the word I'm going to use. I mean, it fits. Yeah. But he's also just very honest. And I don't know. Christian Bale just doesn't hit me that way. See, I love the chemistry that Winona Ryder and Christian Bale have yeah. as Joe and Laurie. And I think, I think it does well, especially for it being done in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, for what I it think was. Yes, I think for if that if that version had been made today with those same actors, not with them being aged. No, like obviously. If, like, but you get what I mean. Yeah. If it that had been done today, it would not have the same potency that the 2019 has because the 2019 matches today's vibes, if that makes sense. Yeah. But the 1994 version is told in a chronological order. Mm-hmm. The costuming sticks very true to the time period. Mm-hmm. There is like little to no um, individualization that exists. And out of all the adaptations that are movies specifically, um, because we do have some web series we we're going to talk about, this is the one that has the most lines for Beth. Yeah. Which... I like Claire Danes, but she's also not my favorite Beth. So there's that for you. Yeah, she's not my favorite Beth either. She plays Beth in like almost this 
almost as if like Beth is never she's just too juvenile with Beth which is interesting because Claire Danes Mm. doesn't look juvenile so she plays this girl who's like you know 13 to you know whatever and she just I'm like you're you look like you're like 25 trying to play a 13 year old in it but you're acting like you're 8 it just it didn't work for me there's something about Claire Danes portrayal of Beth that really I was like, I don't understand. And of course, again, it's been a long time since I watched this. So my, and as a 28 year old, my thought process is a little different now than it probably was the first time. Right. And I will say another thing that I think that the 94 adaptation does really well is show the relationship of Frederick Bear and Mm, Joe. Yeah. And how, how Frederick Bear influenced Joe's writing and just how she developed as a person where other adaptations just kind of slightly gloss over it. Yeah. Um, Because for whatever reason, everyone thinks Joe and Lori should be the end-all be-all. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there with my controversial, no, it's not. No, it's not. It would never work. They would literally kill each other. They are too much of the same person for it to be a healthy, growing relationship. They're more like identical twin siblings. You know what I mean? Like, obviously not identical of their face, but... Yeah, it's like they're the same age and in that, like, same stage of life. And they have the same mindset on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And not that Which that's... some people would think that would be great, yeah. but you you almost need somebody to, like, challenge you in your life. I feel like a sure relationship properly. can't work without a little controversy. Obviously, it shouldn't be anything, like, excessive, but, like, right. you need something to sort of discuss. Otherwise, you're just going to be sitting there next to each other, like, yeah, we both like that. All right. That's the end of that. <laughs> like, right. so, and, yeah, no, I, you and I both feel the same way about that. Um, and you mentioned Frederick Baer, who is, we should explain, a professor from Germany who Joe meets in New York City when she moves there. Mm-hmm. And uh, she does eventually marry him. Yes, and it should also be established because there are other adaptations that don't, for whatever reason, take this into account. He is like 20 years her senior. Yeah, he's a middle-aged man. Which, for the time period that it's set in and the time period that it's written in, that's not weird at all. It just feels weird to us modern audiences because that's not super common these days. Yeah, which is why it's not nearly done that way as much in newer adaptations. I will say this is like slightly bothers me because so in rereading the book before this, I don't know that I have a very like defined opinion of Laurie's shift from Joe to Amy Mm -hmm. as far as like his interest in pursuing a romantic relationship. Um, But I, in the 94, it feels like it's very much painted as a shift of convenience. Yeah, I can agree with that in that one. It it doesn't feel like it's a oh like Lori actually likes Amy. Yeah. For Amy. It's a oh, I want to still be connected to the March family. So here's Amy. I feel like every adaptation does this a little differently. And I think that there are definitely ones, again, that we'll talk about when we get to them, that do it better. But I do agree that in this one it's kind of like Amy likes me. I'll I'll Amy will work. Yeah. And I, I think that's another reason why I don't let Christian Bale as 
Lorraine, and that that's not his fault. He didn't write it that way. But right. I'm like, ugh, it's just should like her. Should like her a little bit. But I don't even like Amy in this one. Oh no. And the fact that like they did Kirsten Dunst's young Amy and then um Samantha Mathis, I think, plays older Amy. I I don't remember. I, think that's I didn't write Amy. it down. <laughs> Yeah, Samantha Mathis plays the older Amy, and they, like, switch them in the middle of the movie, and I'm like, oh, I noticed that. They don't look at all alike. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, obviously, you grow up and you change as you get older. I still look the same as I did when I was 12. I'm just saying. I mean, there's always going to be some facial features that follow you as you get older. Yeah. So, I don't know. I didn't like that either, and that's, you know, again, that's just their choice to... Right. Well, and the thing that I feel like is the quote like defining thing that a lot of people seem to get stuck on when it comes to the character of Amy is the lines. Oh yeah. Why? Why? I don't understand why that is the defining moment of the character of Amy March. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the limes and I'm like, I mean, I know about the limes. I know what happens with the limes. Why do people care about the limes? I don't know. I, I really like don't these, understand. It's like such a small portion of her life. Like, sure, it might be like a defining moment of her childhood because she made it into this big dramatic thing. But it's not the defining moment of her whole life. And that seems to be the biggest moment of her character arc in especially this adaptation. They don't really do that in a lot of the other ones. No. Huh. I don't I'm just thinking about the limes and I'm like I I know what happens. I know what the limes are a part of. I don't I don't care. The limes don't do anything. Like that storyline doesn't do anything for me other than establish that she's a child because she was a child. Yeah. It, it's just it's one of those childish things. Yeah, that everybody has the the limes and she can't afford any limes and has promised limes to people and what what is that i don't know okay (laughs) it was a form of currency which in all honesty and this could just be because i didn't go to public school until high school i don't remember that ever being a thing oh we didn't pay each other with stuff i didn't think so at least not that i remember anything else about the 94 (laughs) i mean i've already given all of my opinions on people i don't like in this movie Cool. So moving on in chronological order, that brings us to web series. So we have two different web series that happened in 2014. Both are incomplete. Yes. So the first one that came up uh, where the first episode aired on April 27th in 2014 is the Joe March blog. There's literally only seven episodes. I watched the first episode and then I looked and saw that it only had seven and I went, I'm not doing this. I don't need unfinished things in my life. Moving on to the next one that was in 2014, which is the March Family Letters. And this is one that, like, they tried to start on their own, but then for the sake of funding, they got adopted by what is now officially known as Pemberley Digital, which is supported by PBS. And this one has 50 episodes. And in a sense, those 50 episodes are very complete. It just doesn't cover the whole book. So that's where the incompleteness comes from. Yeah. So the first episode was published on December 25th of 2014. 
And in this one, Marmy is the one that is deployed. And the reason why they started these vlogs is to be video letters to keep Marmy informed while she is deployed. In this one, Joe is tattooed and is a filmmaker, mm-hmm. which I think totally works for a modernized Joe. But with the exception of Amy, Joe, Meg, and Beth are all legal adults in this adaptation. This adaptation has Meg as a workaholic. I would say that the way that Amy March is portrayed, it really reminds me of Ricky Collins from Lizzie Bennet Diaries. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Just like in the way, just in like the language that she chooses. It, it's just the way that it sounds. And so it, it reminds me of that. And this one has probably the most LGBTQ plus representation yes. of all adaptations. And one of the ways that they do that is they change John Brooke to be Joan Brooke. Because I don't know that they ever truly like blanketly define it. But I, I think my understanding from like what I was skimming through, because, again, it's been a little bit since I've watched this adaptation, um, is that they have Meg as a bisexual. Yeah. I don't, and then from what I, the little bit that I saw of it, I don't think anything was ever, like, fully said. But, again, we both just kind of skimmed it before we did this. Right. So, I know at one point, because I do remember it, it is stated that Beth is asexual. I mean, it works. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't think it, I don't think it takes away. No. Because there's some where you can get away with it. And then there are others where now you really should have, you should have just left it alone. Yeah. It didn't need to be said. Nothing needed to be added. But episode 50 ends with the fact that like, this is the first go round of Beth being sick. And so they're taking time away to focus on getting Beth better. And at the same time, Marmy's come home to help take care of Beth. And while we never see Marmy on camera, it is stated in the last episode that they post that it's possible that they could come back and they do leave it open for that possibility. But it has been five years since that one was posted because that was posted June 26, 2015. And so it's probably never, ever going to be come yeah. back, which is sad because I would love to see how the rest of it would play out. Um, but the whole reason why it ended was because they started that project as a way to help keep Marmy informed and she was now home. So there was no need. Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like it will never be brought back. <laughs> the next adaptation started in 2016 and is called The Attic. They split it up into four seasons. And so in this, in this adaptation, we have them as college students. So these are not biological sisters. And um, they have Joe and Beth as roommates and Amy and Meg as roommates. And then their RA is Marley. Marley. So that that was their way of getting in a Marmy sort of character without having to be blood relatives. Yeah. Season one started May 24th of 2016. It covers pretty much like the beginning stuff. And it in like it ends at the end of their of their semester. But it has where Meg and Marley, who they have as biological sisters in this adaptation, their dad is sick and he's in the Sudan. So it's a like, how do we get them there? Yeah. Is like the thing. And you find out that um, that Marley and John Brooke are going to the Sudan. 
And then season two started September 22nd, 2016. It's established as it's Joe's senior year. We find out that Beth has a heart condition. Meg is is engaged to John. And Dr. March, which is, we haven't really talked a whole lot about Aunt March so far. Yeah. But this is the Aunt March character. And Dr. March insists that Amy gets to study abroad in Paris instead of Joe. Yeah. Then season three starts April 11th, 2017. Joe is interning in New York. That's where we get to we get to meet a Frederick Bear character, and they call him Reed Bear. Um, but I don't really know that we get a whole lot out of that character existing in this adaptation because we don't get to see him a whole lot. He's in a like a handful of episodes. Yeah between the third and the fourth seasons. But also in the third season, Meg gets married. Amy's studying abroad, so we get to see some videos from Amy in Paris. We also get to see Amy and Laurie's uh, relationship blossom. We also get to see, um, so at the end of season three, Beth dies from her heart condition. Yeah. And for whatever reason, Laurie thinks it's a great idea to propose at a funeral. Because that's where he decides to propose to Joe. I didn't get that far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Why? He's a stupid boy. That he is. And then we move on to season four, which started March 1st, 2018. And they opened that one up with a video letter from Beth that she recorded before she passed away for Joe. And it's even stated in the video that Beth knows that like Joe's not going to find it for a while. Like, because I guess Beth never told Joe that yeah. she did that. Um, but so you get to see that. And so like the first like few episodes, you're seeing that Joe is still in mourning and she's struggling to move on with her life because Beth was such an integral part of that. But also in season four, we get to see Amy and Laurie get engaged and we get like, I think it's really, literally like one video where Reed Bear encourages Joe to write what she knows essentially and Joe decides she's going to take what's been the video blog and turn it into a book. Okay. The fourth season ends with Joe telling Amy and Meg that that's what she wants to do, and she's essentially asking for their permission. Okay. Hey, are you okay with this? Those are all of the web series adaptations that I watched as they came out, and Sierra's just, like, skimmed. I have skimmed. I have done my site research. (laughs) I I think out of those three, I think you would enjoy the March family letters the most. But that brings us to 2017. Yeah, 2017. Um, So in 2017, BBC um, did an adaptation for television that was three episodes. Um, The original release was they did all three episodes in different days. So it was December 26th, 27th, and 28th, 2017. Which, you know, this is a great story to get at Christmas. I think it's a great time to get this story. Oh, yeah. I mean, to an extent, that's kind of like when the book really opens. But it stars Maya Hawke as Joe. Willa Fitzgerald plays Meg. Catherine Newton plays Amy. And Anne Elwi plays Beth. Um, and it's a really great little cast. The, the four girls work really well together. Um, I watched it a couple weeks ago. 
It was directed by Vanessa Caswell. And I thought it was really interesting. It's set, obviously, in Concord, Massachusetts. They filmed this in Ireland. What? I know. I was like, how? Movie magic right there. Ireland and Massachusetts look similar, but they did a good job. I would not have known watching it. But it's it's really good. The, the three episode thing, obviously, is nice because there's so much of this book. And they do a really good job. And it goes chronologically the way that the book does. I liked Maya Hawkish Joe. I think she played Joe well because I, she didn't, again, do sort of the over-exaggeration of the tomboy aspect of Joe. I feel like Maya Hawk would be a great Joe from the parts that I've seen her play in. Jonah Howard King, I think is how you say his last name. It's a hyphenated last name. Plays Laurie. Um, and he's fun. He's a good Laurie. He's, a, he's the kind of Laurie that's like, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see why. And they play a lot more on almost the sexual chemistry of Laurie and Joe in this one. Okay. Um, in like the you know that there are those little touches and little glances and little moments. And I think I think the nineteen ninety four sort of did that too. No, um, but where there's almost that little moment of like, oh, this might actually happen. And then the way that they do. Joe letting him down is uh, it's very it's not nearly as dramatic as some of the other ones are but it's definitely it's still she's still definitely like no this would never work mm. it would never happen right Um, you get a lot more Frederick Bear in this one Ooh. which I liked and again he's not quite as old as the book makes him Um, but the guy that they got to play Frederick Bear uh, Mark Stanley is uh, is very good and I think he does a good job of playing off of Joe and the the way that like he's encouraging her to write and he wants to read her writing and he wants to work with her on it and they become really good friends in this house that they live in and you know then he just says the wrong thing (laughs) and it is (laughs) war and in the way that this one is it's he reads her stories that are obviously published anonymously and is talking about them to her without knowing that they're hers and he's like I don't understand why people write like that and she's like oh well those are mine, so that's great. Love it. Gotta go. Bye. Like, but it was good. I enjoyed it. And you get a lot more of, you know, like Meg's relationship with John, and you get more um Mr. March in this one. Okay. Which is nice. Um the woman who plays Marmy is Emily Watson. She's a little too severe in this adaptation for my taste. She just seems really more angry and obviously you get in the book there's a moment where marmy says to joe you know your your temper reminds me of myself because i'm always angry and joe's like what are you talking about you are never angry and i feel like in this one we sort of get the the background of that where Mm -hmm. like marmy will go into a room by herself and you can sort of see that side of marmy um but even sometimes with the girls she's very severe okay so that's you know it's not bad. It's just not great. So it's very good. I highly recommend. I will stick it on my list. Please leave it on your list. <laughs> Alrighty. So now I guess we move on to 2018, which is a modern take on it. And it stars Sarah Davenport as Joe, Lucas Grabiel as Laurie, and then Leah Thompson as Marmy. I'm sorry. I must... I'm going to be stuck on Lucas Gabriel for a second. From High School Musical? Yes. I don't like it. 
I, I didn't either. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't watch it. So like I'm relying on you for this one. So this adaptation has a very Joe focus. You're not really getting a whole lot of look at the other sisters and their lives and whatnot, which even in the novel, you get more of a look at the other sisters than you do in this adaptation, um, which isn't it's not a bad thing. Most people connect with Joe more than any of the other girls anyways. But that is how this is. And this is this one, like the 2019, does the flashbacks juxtaposed with the end of the story. So you get that like it's really strengthening that meta trope that is used in the novel because of Lucas Grabeel's past of being high school musical, even though technically Lori is a musical character, we know that he has an education in music and that he can play things very well. It really just felt like they were trying to showcase the fact and holding on to that fact that he was in high school musical. Like 12 years ago? <laughs> it really just felt like they were holding on to that instead of actually strengthening the character of Lori. And I didn't like it. Yeah. We get to meet Professor Bear at the top of the movie. Because of that whole flashback juxtaposition thing, okay. our first moment of meeting Joe, you also get to meet Frederick Bear because he is one of her college professors. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And so you get to see him criticize her work in a classroom setting like in front of everybody yeah that's rude <laughs> i wasn't ready for that i don't remember if it was joe was working on her graduate degree or if she was just like at the end of her bachelor's either way it's not like she was a freshman in college having a relationship with a professor <laughs> yeah and even then that doesn't really start until after the fact I would hope not. That's like conflict of interest right there, kids. Don't date your teachers. And then there are some other like YouTube stars that are in this adaptation. You have Stuart Edge, who is a relatively known prankster on YouTube. He plays John Brooke. And he felt really weird to see him play John Brooke. But at the same time, it was like, oh, you actually can do other things. And then we have Madeline Thatcher. Who plays Kate Moreland in the Kate Moreland Chronicles. She oh, plays yeah. one of Meg's friends in this adaptation. Good for her. And I love her. Good for her. <laughs> That's probably like one of the only truly positive things I could say. I mean, I also love Leah Thompson as Marmy. I think she's a great Marmy. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody loves that, Leah Thompson. She does great. You can't not like Leah Thompson. That, those are those are like my main like key thoughts on the 2018 i don't know you said lucas gabriel was in it i'm done i'm not even gonna try <laughs> it's like I'm i knew he was there to too because i've seen the trailer but like i think my brain was like throw that away all right last but certainly not least the 2019 version yes that greta gerwig wrote and directed i <laughs> i will talk about this version for days i love this version and it's partially because i love greta gerwig i've seen a lot of her other stuff but we can start with start, start with just the cast because this is a star-studded cast. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Absolutely. Gosh. And it even has some that like are a little up and coming as well. Yes. But everybody, to me, does a really great job. Oh, absolutely. In this. Um, so Saoirse Ronan plays Joe March. 
Emma Watson plays Meg, which I think she's the only one that I ever have like a moment with when I'm watching the movie because I don't think they did a great job of ensuring that she didn't accidentally become British. There are moments when I rewatched it, I was like, that sounded extremely British, ma'am. Florence Puh plays Amy March, and she's my favorite Amy. Without and before this adaptation, I had no idea that Florence Pugh was even an actress. Even a person. <laughs> you were like, who is this? Um, I, I mean, like, I, love, I love her as Amy. Oh. Out of all the adaptations, she is my favorite Amy. Yeah, um, I agreed. And a lot of that, I think, too, has to do with the way that Greta Gerwig wrote her. Eliz- Eliza Scanlon plays Beth. Again, another person I had no oh, idea who it she's was. She's fabulous. <laughs> she is. Laura Dern plays Marmy, and I think she's probably the best Marmy. And that is my opinion. I definitely like Laura Dern more than Susan Sarandon. I think she's got more of that sort of motherly just to everybody thing that Marmy has. Right. And and also, and I don't know how much of this is just because of other things I've seen Laura Dern in. When, when Marmy tells Joe that she has struggled with her anger, I believe it way yeah. more coming from Laura Dern. I don't know why. Timothy Chalamet plays Laurie. And I do think he plays an excellent Laurie. And a lot of that, I think, too, has to do with his chemistry with Sertia because they've been in things together before. Mm -hmm. They have excellent chemistry. They have excellent chemistry. Quite possibly the most well-known actress in this adaptation is Meryl Streep as Aunt Marge. She's hilarious. And she is so funny. (laughs) She hates everybody. It's honestly really great just like how blunt she is oh so wonderful again Greta Gerwig wrote this spectacularly she did she had such a vision for it and she talks about obviously there's you see a lot of each girl in this adaptation you get a lot of it's not all about Joe again it is a good chunk of it about Joe because it is technically about more about Joe when you're reading the book it's also technically Joe writing it. Yeah. So. Um, but you get a lot more, I think, behind people like Meg. And you get a lot more behind Amy because um, Greta said in a podcast that rereading the novel as an adult, she realized that she understood Amy a lot more than she did when she was a kid. And that she sort of had this understanding of Amy. Okay. And that she wanted to bring that to light that Amy because a lot of people look at Amy and they're like oh she was awful she was so mean to Joe she you know quit painting and you know was just perfectly fine with being a wife and it's Amy's a realist um James Norton plays John Brooke and he's adorable I love him he's just so precious he was in um War and Peace with Lily James and he was yes and he also um was the lead role in Grandchester a a a detective series and I love it. And he's he's done like a number of he other things. He was in things. Death Comes to Pemberley too. He played um the guy that Georgiana ends up with, whose name is escaping me. He did. He did, it's right? Yeah. Minute. It's been a minute since I've seen that, but yeah. I would have to say this is probably my favorite Mr. Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Chris Cooper. He's so good. So good. He's so like there's just this like genteel part of him that I think you see more in this adaptation. I like this version to me is the version that does the best of transitioning Lori's affection from Joe to Amy. I would agree. There's a lot more of those little moments of seeing him and Amy together in Paris 
where you're like, oh. When when they run into each other at the beginning of the film in Paris, I think that you see it there too. You sort of see Amy and you see the crush that Amy's always had on Laurie. Because um, we haven't really discussed that, that Amy is always, she, she yes. you know, she wants to make him a cast of her foot that one time. It's so great. I think the way that Florence's portrayal of Amy, and I'm sure some of this comes from the way that Greta wrote it, but the way that she just puts him in his place. Oh, my God. Of like, no, I'm not going to be second best to Joe. I've always been second best to Joe, which also just shows the relationship that Amy and Joe have throughout the entire novel of how... Amy's trying her hardest to be as good as Joe because she looks up to Joe so much. Yeah. And to an extent, I think she looks up to Joe more than she looks up to Meg, which is interesting considering Meg is the oldest. So you would think that all of them would look up to Meg. Yeah. But they don't. But I think I think there's this I think Amy wishes she could have the sort of vibrancy that Joe has because Joe kind of steals the room Mm -hmm. whenever she comes in. And as she has those conversations with Lori several times, that she realizes she's not Joe. Yeah. And she looks at that as a bad thing. And I think she thinks that, you know, Lori's settling. He's like, well, you'll do. <laughs> and Right. Uh, I, I mean, there's that entire, like, conversation of why marrying out of convenience oh my God. is a horrible decision. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I love this movie. <laughs> I'm just playing it over in my head right now. Um, yeah, I mean, she talks about, you know, I I understand who I am as a woman. And if I have to marry out of convenience, then I marry out of convenience because I'm never going to have my own money. All my money will be my husband's. My children will be my husband's. And I think out of out of the four girls, Amy fully accepts the responsibility that to really help her family the most it is most yeah. beneficial for her to marry rich. Yeah, because at this point, Meg didn't marry rich. Joe doesn't want to get married, according to her. Beth is not going to ever marry, because at this point, obviously, she's not dead. But Beth doesn't do anything. You know, she stays at home. She goes to the Lawrence house and plays the piano. And she's content to do that. She's happy well, to and, do that. And she's gotten sick. And she, so also, she also serves, like, her community. Yes. And so it's not like she never, ever leaves the area of the two homes that because the Lawrence's and the Marches are next door neighbors. So it's not like it's super far for her to go, but it's not like Beth goes to parties or anything where she could meet a potential suitor. Yeah. And she doesn't do the sort of grand adventures that her sisters do. You know, Meg goes to the city for the cotillion and makes all these rich, fancy friends and, and Joe goes to New York to be a writer and to make money for the family. And, you know, that's Beth would never do that. And Amy goes all the way to Paris and Europe with Aunt March. Beth isn't, that's not who she is. No. I mean, out of all of this, to me, Amy is my favorite character because of the growth that she goes on from being this child that burns Joe's Mm. partially written novel and to this adult who looks at, you know, I would be respected if I couldn't be loved. She's very realistic. She understands Mm -hmm. where she is in the time period that she's in. Um, And to me, this adaptation is gorgeous. Absolutely. There's this 
you know, every girl sort of has their own color. Every girl sort of has their own style. And all of that is, again, intentional. And it won an Oscar for best costume. The only Oscar they won. The costume design of this has a modern twist Mm -hmm. and kind of tailors to the individualization of the girls. Yeah. And so, like, I want, if I remember correctly, like, Beth's is probably the most true to time period. But that is also where, like, Beth doesn't want to be noticed. She'd much rather blend in and where joe's has a little bit of a boyish twist to it because joe airs on the side of tomboy and then like meg and amy tend to be a little bit more prim and proper because they they kind of dive into that type of things and you you mentioned that amy is your favorite character and is that just because of this adaptation or is that just like as a whole from the book, like, Amy is your favorite. I think now Amy is my favorite character. I think, again, it's that sort of thing where I reread this and I've rewatched adaptations of it and I realize that I think, I, in my personal opinion, I think Amy has the most growth. Gotcha. And I think that Amy is the most realistic in her situation and understands what's expected of her. But also, it's still, still feminist mm-hmm. in that I'm still going to do the things I want to do. I'm just going to do them while still doing the things that society expects me to do. So I think that's why. And I don't think that young me would say that. Gotcha. But I think dealing with it now, Amy is my favorite character. Gotcha. See, Amy's still not my favorite character. I still find her. That's okay. Massively annoying. That's okay. Um, But. It was this adaptation that gave me a new respect for Amy. But I honestly think Always and Forever Joe will be my favorite. That makes sense for you, though. And a lot of it is because I identify with her. To an extent, I wish I could be more like Joe because I am not the life of the party when I enter the room. (laughs) I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be, like, big and bold when I enter a room unless I'm, like, comfortable with those people in the room. Yeah. But because of my passion for writing and the fact that I'm, it is my lifelong dream to be a published author, I connect with Joe on that level. And, like, literally when Amy burns Joe's book, I'm ready to murder Amy mm-hmm. because it's like, honey, you cannot – do that. That is so much time and effort. And especially in that day and age, it's not like, oh, it's just easy to make copies. Like, there's just so much. I see that for you, though. I think that makes I feel like both of us, I'm going to identify with Amy, which a lot of people are going to be like, why would you ever want to identify with Amy? But I do think in a lot of ways I identify with Amy, which is probably why I like her so much. But mm-hmm. I think as a woman reading this, you kind of have to identify with one of the March sisters. We could, I could do a whole episode about this, but we don't have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> this was a fun one, though. I was happy yes. to sort of go back to this. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I really like Little Women. Such a good story. And such a popularly feminist story for when it was written. Thanks for listening to us. Obviously, thank you to Louisa May Alcott. Mm-hmm who wrote this gem of a novel that honestly i think i think like anne of green gables it's a very informative and important novel for young women i agree completely 
and thank you to everybody who's taken in a adaptation of this you whether we liked it or not you went out and you did it and that's that's impressive i'm gonna specifically thank greta gerwig because i love her it's just me though everybody did a good job though we've obviously voiced our opinions about the things that we did not like yes for these adaptations but this was a mostly positive episode yeah i agree thank you zakaka for your wonderful beautiful artwork we use it consistently and uh, we would be nowhere without it. Well, we'd be somewhere. It just wouldn't be as pretty. It, it would not look as good as it does. No. We're not that talented, either of us. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to League of Lit. If you have any suggestions for an episode, feel free to leave a comment on leagueoflit.tumblr.com.